Welcome to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there is anything in this message that you would like to talk about further, please go to our website, www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org. Father, the circumstances of life just get thrown at us sometimes. And Lord, sometimes it's difficult to understand why. And Father, we here in this building right now, uh, without an understanding but a recognition that you are in charge, uh, we want to pray for Mark and we want to ask, Lord, that you would inject him with a new measure of health, give the ambulance people, the doctors, a great sense of knowledge and wisdom. Pray for comfort for Michelle. Lord, they're just a a treasure amongst us and precious couple. We we just want to lift them up and offer them to you in love in the name of Jesus right now. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm not sure about you, whether you like change or not. Some people do. Some people really thrive on it. Some people think, oh, what a bummer. <laughs> they don't like it that much at all. How many people here really like change, really like it? Enjoy? Oh, gee, not many. How many don't like it? Oh, you're a pack of horses. <laughs> oh, dear. Change is a great thing. Well, no, no, that's not. Change for change's sake is not a good thing. Change for a purpose is a tremendous thing. And uh, some of our young people aren't here with us this week. Glad to see you guys. Here you are. Um, some of them are down at camp, down at uh, down at the Tops Conference Centre, and we took Valder and I took uh, Matt down on Thursday morning, and he's down there for a two-year uh, intern thing with the Tops with Fresh Hope. And as I picked him up from his home at Cambridge Park, and we filled my car, and I mean filled my car. Okay, so much so that when, when Matt sat in the back seat, there was just enough for him. And I'm driving along and I'm thinking, this guy's life, this 19 years are in the back of my car and he's going down to Stanwell Tops to what? A whole new life there. You know, my car was full of his clothes. There was his uh, skateboards. There was a guitar. Uh, there was his weight, <laughs> I got him to carry the weightlifting stuff out, I couldn't lift it, but it was just full and I'm thinking, this guy is going somewhere where he doesn't really know what the future holds. And I hear that some of you don't like to be in that position. That's fair enough, that's fair enough. But some of us don't mind it, but it needs to be a, a change for the sake of uh, something to do and not simply because of the sake of change. So over the last few days we've been talking about um, making changes and one of the things that I want to share with you today is that God is in the business of change. He's in the business of moving things to a better place. And as we come here today, this morning, um, recognizing that some of us like change, there are some, there, there, there's some good things about old things. <laughs> However, you know, you can go to eBay and go on a gum tree and you can, you can get some really good stuff there and get it home and paint it up and renovate it, shape it, all this sort of stuff. There are some things that are old that are good. 
some things that we ought not to change. But there are some things that we really need do to work on, and, and I'm not sure. Can you think of anything right now, maybe a second-hand thing, a used thing, something that you would definitely not want? Just think about that. Something that I would definitely not want to use or wear second-hand. Any thoughts? Lawn mowers? The old, the old push ones, yes, the new ones are better. Anything else? Sorry? <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Remember that, sorry? Remember that program on telly, that uh, family feud thing where you had to guess what the, the majority of people said about things? And what, this question came up, what wouldn't you like to wear second hand? And the answer was underwear. <laughs> I can go along with that. So some changes aren't good, but some are. And so what we're going to do today is to look at that. Most of us would choose something new rather than something second hand. Now here at this place, this church... Uh, we are believers in the Bible. We are believers that the Bible is far more, far more than just a, a, a good spiritual reference, though it is that. It's far more than just something we can sit down and meditate on, and it is that. It's certainly a, a life-changing set of words. But it's also a history book. A book of the world's history that started at creation and is there today. And we here in this church, I think, believe that that is the facts, that the Bible is factual and authentic as it works its way through history. And so we start right at the beginning in creation and we see that God, when he created this new earth, saw that it was good. He made the land and the oceans and the sky, the firmament. And then he made man and woman. And he created them and he stood back and he said, yes, what this is good, this creation is good. Somewhere inside man, however, was this thing that came up and says, I need more, I want more. And we know the story of man's rebellion and said, look, I'm going to eat of that fruit, even though God says I shouldn't. I'm going to eat of that because I've been told that it will give me more knowledge, more understanding. And of course, that was a lie. But that's what we did. That's what man did in this process. And so the very thing that God created all of a sudden was no longer in its original place. He created them for good. Mankind was made in his image. Yet it wasn't long before we buried the good things. We broke the good thing. Yet we look in the book of Exodus, after the Genesis story, and we see there how God despite his remembering the broken promise in the garden, he said to this Exodus people, this nation that he was creating, 
I will give you a new name. I will call you Israel. I will give you a new heart. I will give you a new land. This is the God who wants to make changes when things go wrong. And so he said to them, that's what I'm going to do. A new heaven, a new heart, a new spirit. So we read, I will give you a new heart. I will give you a new spirit and I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and will give you a heart of flesh. That's what he said to the children. That's what he said after his creation. And of course, as you and I read through the history of our Bible, we see that despite this new covenant, this promise that he was going to give them, they continually rebelled, they continually went their own way and forgot the promise. New heart, new land, new covenant. In expectation, they, they made their own way. The changes they, they made were not only, were not of God. And the problem was, yes, they had a new name. They had a new land. They had some new rules and some new laws. But they didn't have a new heart. They didn't have a new heart. We can't do it ourselves. We can't get a new heart. It has to be given to us. I will put a new heart within them. I will give them a new name. I will give them new rules. How how does he do this? Well, the answer to us, and we've sung it this morning, we know that the answer, how did he do this? The answer is, he did it in Jesus. He does this when Jesus came, and Jesus died on the cross for me, and he rose again. And when he promised Perse Mallard, when he promised the people sitting here, I will forgive your sins, come to me, all you who labour and are, who are weary and, and labour, and I will give you rest. I will take all of your sin upon me, because I can carry it. That's what he said. So when we look at the things that we've been looking at over these last few weeks in out of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we talk about the new creation, let let me just read this, written by Paul. Um, uh, Paul who had an amazing encounter with Jesus. Paul who was a persecutor of the Christians. Had a change of heart. Had a new heart. And this is what he wrote. And I'm going to read not just um, the, the, the verses at 2 Corinthians 5.17. I'm going to put some context here. Okay? And so he says... We will appear before Christ, this is in verse 10, and take what's coming to us out of the Message Bible, by the way. We will appear before Christ and take what's coming to us as a result of our actions, either good or bad. 
That keeps us vigilant, you can be sure. It's no light thing to know that we'll all one day stand in that place of judgment. That's why we work urgently with everyone we meet to get them ready to face God. God alone knows how well we do this, but I hope you realise how much and deeply we care. We're not saying this to make ourselves look good. We just thought it would make you feel good. Proud even that we're on your side and not just nice to your face as so many people are. If I acted crazy, Paul says, I did it for God. If I acted over seriously, I did it for you. Christ's love has moved me to such extreme. His love has the first and last word in everything we do. Our firm decision is to work from this focus centre. One man died for everyone. Hear that? One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life. A resurrection life, a far better life that people ever lived on their own. And because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We look at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside. And what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a free start, is created new, the old is gone, a new life has come. Great words, aren't they? Great words. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone. It means that when we invite Jesus into our life, this relationship of the new heart that God promised back in Ezekiel now becomes part of my Walk my journey, your journey. See, in my earthly life, if I was to do a timeline, you know, here I am in 2020 and I go backwards in time and I go through my father, my grandfather and so on, I can trace myself, I guess in humanity's terms, we can trace ourselves back to Adam and therefore we trace ourselves back to the rebellion, trace myself back to the sin that started this whole journey to where I am today. So the, the natural me has a timeline of sin. But when I put step into the life of Jesus, any man be in Christ, that timeline becomes totally different. And it does for you too, who sit here and say, I'm in Jesus. Jesus lives in me. Because your new timeline started in, in the beginning of the creation and your time, ending timeline isn't there yet. And it won't get there because we have this new creation in Christ. Something in us. Something in us that's different. The new heart that God promised those guys back then, the new heart he promised is in us now. In Christ. We've been made new. We could go on to read 
verses after 2 Corinthians 5.17 and we would read there that we've been reconciled with God. We've been reconciled for a purpose, reconciled to himself through Christ and gave us gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Can't get away from that, guys. That's our obligation. That's our calling. And as we do that, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this ministry, this ministry of reconciliation. Wow. So... In this, we have a new creation. We are reconciled to God and we have become the reconcilers. Not sure about you, but sometimes I get a little bit complacent in my Christian walk and I forget the joy that is in Christ. I forget... I guess I forget what the psalmist says I should do um, when he says, come and see what God has done. What is there in my life that allows people, hey guys, come and see what's happened to me, what God has done for me. And I guess each of us in our different walks have got a different experience, a different joy that God has put in our life that allows us to say with the psalmist how awesome his works in man's on man's behalf. He turned the sea and the dry land and passed through the waters on foot. Come, let us... Now, my journey might not be a walk through the Red Sea. My journey might be totally different to all of those, you know, the, the, the David and Goliath thing, the, the Gideon thing, all of those Old Testament characters who God made victorious, victorious. My life might be nowhere near that. But then again, only God knows the things that I have done that has made me closer to him. Only God knows the things that you have done that has brought you closer to him. The things that would allow you to say, come and see what God's done in me. Come and see the new creation he's made in me. Because it's certainly worthwhile living living the life that Jesus offered. And of course, <laughs> when they do come and see, then I have to ask myself the question, what do they see? What's the evidence of this new life in me? Do they see, you know, when, when Jesus says, you're, you're the light of the world, Purse, you're the light of the world, Penrith Church of Christ, do they see the things that have happened in my life that would allow them to live their life better? When Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth, Purse, you're the salt of the earth, Penrith Church of Christ, do, do those people who live near me, who live near you, who I work with and mix with, mix with you, do they see the salt in you, the thing that savour that makes the sweetness rise? The salt that makes them thirsty for what you've got? Do they see that? Because that's the reconciliation thing that Paul talked about. Where in the salt and in the light, we exhibit a different 
person to what we were. A new creation, a new attitude, a new sense of purpose. That's what it is that brings the difference. Different principles, different rules, different places I go, different people I mix with who, who don't bring me down to the earthly level. I was sharing with somebody just recently, Christian guy, who was really struggling. Um, fell away from church a fair bit, was mixing with a whole stack of people who were, you know, of the world. They were doing their thing, their, their, their language and their drinking and their behaviour and all this sort of stuff. And I, I simply said to him that when God came into his life, he gave him this new creation thing and so his vocabulary, his, his language was different. And so he needed to mix with people of the same language. But when you and I mix and when he mixed with the people of the world, the friends that were down in the pub or wherever they were and the language and all these things happened, the only language he could communicate with them with was the world's language. Do you get that? So it was important for him, in his situation, to change his friends. Not asking, suggesting we do that. We've got to be in the world. We have to be light to the world. We have to share with that. But at some stage or other, we've got to make sure that our journey, this new creation, this new life in us, gets watered by God, by other Christians, by each other, rather than by the world. Because we'll get dragged down to that. Inevitably, we'll get down to, dragged down to that. So my question to you guys, and this is not a rhetorical question, this is one you can answer. What things would you say would be evident to a world when they look at a Christian? What would you expect that they would see or hear? Over to you. What does Galatians 5 tell us? Fruit of the Spirit. Tell me about the fruit of the Spirit. What are, what are they? Love, joy, peace, self-control, not in order, but that's okay. Goodness, gentleness, okay? Those things would be the evidence of the new creation. And so what is it in me, I ask myself, in amongst those that other people see? Philippians 4, 8 talks about another one. Finally, brothers, Paul says in Philippians, there they are, whatever is true, whatever is honest, trustworthy, whatever is noble. Hi, Stu. Hi, Gail. Whatever is respectful, noble. Mm, not sure about what other word there. Whatever is right, justice. Whatever is pure, wholesome the things I watch, the things I say, the jokes I tell, the books I read, the television I watch, the wholesome things, 
whatever is lovely, you know, the, the kindness, being the kindness and sharing all of that to each other. Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. See, that's the evidence, isn't it? Okay. New creation. God's promise to those of us who accept Jesus. And I'm expected then, as a result of that, to modify my behaviour so that I become salt and light and, and people see the reflection of Jesus in me. But I live in a world of conflict. I live in a world where it's not just an earthly physical thing, it's a spiritual awareness, it's a spiritual battle. And I fight. Like Paul said in Romans, the good things I want to do, I don't do. The bad things I don't want to do, sometimes they're the very things I do. So these types of things get undermined, the, the noble, the, the true, the right, the pure, the lovely, they get undermined. And so I say to myself, how can I deal with this? I don't want to be in my own. And we're not. We're not. Many years ago, I'm talking about the, the, the 80s there somewhere, uh, and there was a phrase, it was the in thing. That was the phrase, the in thing. And at those particular stages, the, the, I listened to a message by a guy by the name of Juan Carlos Ortiz. I've never forgotten this message. And his message was, Jesus is the in thing. Okay? And so he preached about that. He preached about um, this mystery that Colossians talked about. Let me read it. He says, I have become its... Now, it's the servant of the church. He's answering the question, why am I here? And he says, I have come to serve the church by the commission God gave me to present to you, the church, the individual, the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. Guys, what is this mystery? Can you answer that? Can anybody answer that? I'm serious. If you've got an answer, tell me what it is. Okay, certainly amongst the forgiveness of sin. But Paul spells it out a little bit better than that. He says, to them, God has, them being churched people, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is, sorry, Christ in you. So, Old Testament, God came to visit. New Testament, God came to stay. And where does he stay? In you and in me. This mystery is no longer a mystery. It's about where does God reside? And the answer is, whether we know it or not, whether we understand it or not, the answer is in you, in me. Your body is the temple of God. 
I will put a new heart in you, a new life, a new experience that comes in Christ. The old heart no longer exists. You have a new timeline that starts with Jesus and never ends. That's this mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we go back to this particular verse and I want to swap it around a little bit. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Does that read different for you? It certainly does for me. See, the picture I get when I talk about 2 Corinthians 5.17 is that I attach myself to Jesus. I receive him and I attach myself to Jesus. It's sort of like um, following someone around who's my hero. That's the picture I get. But when I swap the words around, this is about Jesus following me around. This is about Jesus living in me. Uh, You're getting this picture, guys? So where is Jesus? Sorry? Sorry? Not a lot of emphasis here. Where's Jesus? In me, in you. And so when you sit here, having committed your life to the Saviour, Having said, yes, Jesus, I see you as the Son of God. I see you died upon the cross. I see that your death was for me. This new heart comes in. This new experience comes in. God plants it. Jesus comes. You know, Acts 2.38 says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You shall, not might, not maybe. But you will. Have you done that? Have you said at some stage during your own life, Jesus, I accept your death upon the cross for me. I don't deserve it. I'm grateful for it. I want you to come into my life. You know that Great verse out of Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. In amongst the, Paul, in amongst John's writing to the churches, the seven churches in Revelation, and the criticism amongst them about the things that they weren't doing that they should have done, the good things that he liked them for, but there was always a but. And amongst all this, he, he gives us that great verse out of Revelation 3.20, and it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now, every, every so often, guys, more often than not, when the Bible talks about the door, it's a heart. That's what that is. So let's just rephrase it. Behold, I stand at your heart and knock. If any one of you will open the door, I will come in. Ooh, I will come in. Not to visit, but to stay. Not to visit. Not a short term. But to stay. 
My earthly nature doesn't understand it. My spiritual nature has to accept it. And then I have to try as best I can is to, is to walk in it. In this spiritual welfare that I have difficulty being the light and the salt too, where the fruit of the Spirit sometimes gets squashed, when the words that we saw in Philippians 4.8, the pure, noble, just, all those things, when they get undermined, where can I go? And the answer is only back to Jesus and my hope is in him. My hope is in him. So the, I guess the onus is on you guys, as it is on me. Where we repeat that. So be honest, be true, be fed income, and repent. I'm sorry, God, I can't do it my way. I've tried. And as we read earlier in the book, in the Colossians, you know, the death of Jesus puts everybody in the same boat. Whether you're good, bad, ugly, rich, poor, doesn't matter. Clever, not clever, doesn't matter. We're all in the same boat. And so God doesn't look at me, this grey hair, crumply body in front of you. God looks at my heart. In my heart he sees Jesus. When God looks at you, he doesn't see the reflection that you see in the mirror. He looks at your heart. And I pray that in your heart he sees Jesus. I pray that in your heart he sees the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And so today here in this place he is saying, to each of us today, behold, I'm doing a new thing. He wants to do that in you today. Whether you are in a position of being a Christian for a long time, God wants to build new things in you yet. We ain't done yet. This is a journey, not a destination. This is a journey. And he wants to do that. Worship team guys, would you come up? He wants to make everything new. From generation, from, from <laughs> Genesis to Revelation. His object has been make man new. Give him a new image. Give him a new objective, a new heart, a new relationship with the God who created him. That's what he wants to do. And he wants to do that for you right now. Right here. So I'm going to ask us that we might just just pray together. I'm going to ask that those of us who have been Christian, who call themselves openly call themselves Christian, who may be in a place of struggle, maybe in a place of feeling disconnected, feeling in a place of this new creation isn't working for me just good at the moment. If you're there, I'm just going to ask that you just 
No, I don't need to know. I'll just pray for you. Father, I just ask that those you see the heart of everybody here. You see the things that prevent them being that new creation in their own mind, even though in your mind they are. Give them courage, Lord. Give them the new things that you're creating. Give, them the, give us all, Lord, an awareness that nothing separates us from you. We echo, echo with the psalmist, Lord, in that beautiful psalm. Where can I go? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I go to the depths, you are there too. Though I flee to the ends of the earth, earth, still you are there. So, Father, for those of us who have been struggling, can I ask you, Lord, that you'll give them a great measure of peace and satisfaction as we finish here today? Bless them with the Holy Spirit's comfort. Now I want to speak to somebody or anybody here who may not have accepted the, the Jesus. How, how does this new heart come? There's lots of scripture verses that we talk about. We saw one opening the heart door and saying, yes, Jesus. As many as received him, what does receive mean? I believe that an important step in that receiving people is the baptism thing that we do, the burying of myself, the saying, I want Jesus in my life and I come and I offer him in the waters of baptism where I get buried under the water and I raise in a new way. I want you to consider that today. If you've never done that, if you've never said, yes, I want Jesus in my heart, I need him. Pray this prayer with me now. Just in your own mind. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you loved me. That you loved me enough to send Jesus to die for my sin. I recognize my need of him as my saviour. And I ask that you now, according to your promise, that you would enter my heart, enter my life, make me that new creation. And I ask it in your son's name. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there was anything in this message that you would like to talk further about, please go to our website on www.cofcpenrith.org. www.cofcpenrith.org.